Amen. Come on, can we say amen, amen, and amen? We are not alone in Jesus' name. Nobody's alone. We serve an incredible God that loves us so much. Well, man, it is so good to see everybody. Good to be back. As you can hear, my voice is a little, a little out there. You know, I spent the whole week recovering this past week. The last thing I wanted is anybody last, last Sunday in here, like I took a step to come to church and that pastor up there has got COVID. He's up there coughing and sniffling and everything else in between. And uh, man, Brian stepped in last week and did a phenomenal job. He's amazing. Love him. He's my brother, but he stepped in. I called him at 8 p.m. on Saturday night, you know. Have you ever had your boss or somebody call you like, hey, I know there's a massive presentation tomorrow, but can you do it for me? Anybody ever had that moment in time? You're like, uh, no, no, actually I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm sick too, right? And Brian actually was like, hey, you know, send me what you got. I'll take it. I'll run. And he, he ran with it last week. And so uh, that was incredible. Heather actually got what I got. We do kiss, so apparently we pass something between each other, and she had to get tested on Wednesday, and um, interesting thing was that she was tested negative, so I know I don't have corona, okay? I'll tell her you clap for her. I'll tell you clap for her. She does not have it, so I therefore do not have it, but uh, it was a great time stepping in. Well, so good to have everybody here. You guys may be seated in the house, and you know, we're kind of jumping into a conversation here today, and, um, you know, as, as a people, we, uh, as pastor and shepherd and spending a lot of time thinking and praying uh, through this isolation, you know, there's a big revelation that has come through the process on, uh, we have a lot of work to do as a faith, as a people. You know, the prophetic word that was spoken over this year is that we're all in, in a sense that you know, the body of Christ has to be completely in to living a life as an apprentice to Jesus Christ and us doing that collectively for the success of our faith this next decade, right? We stepped into 2020, a new decade, right? And for this, I, you know, I talked about at the beginning of the year, this is a new decade, a new opportunity for you and I to live this thing out, represent who we are as Christians, be completely engaged in a Christ-centered life, completely engaged in a Christ-centered church, and through that process, be a part of the plan that God has in discipling people that are far from God and helping them come into a knowledge of who he is and his plan for our lives. And with that, you know, we, we talked about that, man, we are all in on that process. And through COVID, what we've seen is, wow, just in an instance, things can change dramatically. The life in which we knew can completely be turned upside down, right? And nobody would ever thought that six months ago, that our world completely could be flipped upside down. Maybe a few changes here and there, but a complete shutdown of the world, that's a crazy idea. But through this process, the revelation for me is there's always a purpose. If God has a purpose for our lives, he has a purpose in every season. Come on, somebody. If God has a purpose for our lives, he's got a purpose in every single season. So no matter what we walk through here on this earth, we completely understand that the enemy is the ruler of this world. He, he is controlling the minds of uh, people that are living in darkness, the secular world. And, and because of that, you know, we being a victim of sin and a problem, you know, part of the sin 
world in which we live in, we have been set free from sin, but we exist in a world that has sin, right? We're not going to be completely there until we get to heaven and, or until Jesus comes back. Amen. Come on. Uh, but we live in a world here today where we have to live something before people and through things that maybe are contrary to what we would like to, right? And so with that, if, we had, if God has a purpose for our lives to thrive in this, then he's got a purpose for us in every single season, no matter COVID or no COVID, right? So I've been having this conversation. Really, the whole conversation is awareness. Bring awareness to the Christians. Bring awareness to the body of Christ and especially bring awareness to Pearl Street Church the world in which we live in here today. A lot of what we live in here today has been uh, a plan that is set long before we were ever born. Long before we were ever born. So we've grown up in a world uh, that the systems in which we've grown up in are producing a uh, information that may be contrary to our belief system. And so if we're not careful, we can find ourselves a product of the institutions that are teaching us information as opposed to product of our faith through biblical teaching, right? And so we gotta be careful inside of this world. Have you ever been in a place, we'll take this first. Uh, write this cross topic paper. If you wanna, you wanna take notes here today, write this cross topic your paper. Who created you? It's a one simple question. Who created you? The title of my message today, who created you? Have you ever had a friend, uh, maybe your crazy friend, that has come and asked you to do something crazy. Anybody here? Anybody have crazy friends? Okay. We have crazy friends because they, you know, they push us to do things we wouldn't normally do, right? Eat at restaurants that are completely out of our realm, jump off of things that we probably should never jump off of, right? So I had a friend one, one uh, year, this is probably about seven years ago, that said, hey, let's go rock climbing. And, and for me, I've always been afraid of heights. My entire life I've been afraid of heights. Now, as a leader, uh, uh, as an individual, I existed within my framework. I didn't want to push that. That was just a part of who I was. And really, that we got to be careful as human beings not to get caught in a rhythm of we just do this because we do it because we do it, right? we got to break the mold to say we do it because we're designed to do it. That's how God has called us to live, right? So I was living in my framework. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do anything, heights, all this stuff. So I got to a point in my leadership that said, you know what? i got to start pushing myself. So I was like, yeah, let's go. Rock climbing. <laughs> so it was a crazy idea on the front end, right? A completely crazy idea on the front end. Right when he said, I'm like, you have lost your mind. Why in the world would you want to go climb on a rock with the opportunity that you could die? One, the rope could break, whatever you may, whatever may happen. You know, there was one time that I was belaying him. The person that's down below on the rope is the belayer, right? He's the belayer. He's got the whole rig. He's doing the whole thing, feeding him line as he climbs up. Okay, if you don't know. This is how it works. You got the Blair down and you got the rock climber climbing up. And the Blair's the one that is literally, if he falls, you got his life on your belt, basically, through the belay machine thingamabobber. There's a couple different belay devices. <laughs> and so he got all the way up to the top. He's almost at the very top and it's the hardest point of this climb. And I'm belaying him. There's a bunch of people out there. Well, I take one second. Somebody says something over to the right and I'm like, what do they say? I take one second. He's at the crux so he goes for it to reach up at the very top. He goes for it. And he's like all out. He goes and reaches up. He misses it. Completely falls back. I'm looking like this. He's like, catch. I'm like, ah! You know? <laughs> I like pull. I couldn't pull. He immediately like was already on. The tension was there. He's falling. He fell 20 feet down. 
I go flying up in the air because the belay device, like, you know, I mean, anybody knows the rock line, flies up in the air like that. He comes down and smacks the rock. That was a moment in time where I'm like, we are so stupid. What are we doing out here climbing a stupid rock, right? So the original idea was crazy. Then we actually started doing it. And then it was really crazy because he almost died. And I would have been the person who had to live with that, right? It's crazy. Now, the more we did it, the more comfortable we got, the less crazy the idea is, right? And usually in life, that's how things happen. You start off with a crazy friend that has a crazy idea. Then you go do it, and then it's not so crazy anymore, right? And over time, things like that happen inside of life. Now, those are funny instances like that, that things happen. But on the flip side of that, there's crazy ideas that are released into our world today through multiple different avenues that's crazy on the front end, but then we get used to it and subtly we begin to believe it and or accept it. We live in a culture today, I mean, just think about this. We'll be really, really, really straight up here today. We're gonna get like here and now. What is the new show that came out on Netflix that's causing so much issues? What is it called? Cuties, come on. I know everybody knows, everybody's like, I don't watch Netflix. (laughs) I have no clue what you're talking about. I just read the Bible all the time. (laughs) That is it, right? You just need to ask me a Bible question. I got you, right? (laughs) So cuties is out there. Now, what is the concept? We're gonna sexualize 10, 11, and 12-year-old kids. And hopefully, it's really appalling on the front end for people. But over time, if we keep doing it, By the time we get three or four years down the road, society will accept it. Sexualizing children. It was crazy back in the day whenever MTV came out, right? Crazy. I mean, are you kidding me? Look at these teens, the way they're acting. Well, oh my God, this is incredible. This is crazy. That's PG compared to what's on today. It's a slow process of beating you down to get us accepting of things. And who knows this? The enemy knows this. What, is, what operates in moderation in one generation will be lived out in excess in the next, as the Bible talks about. And so we live in a generation here today that things have been introduced over the last 30 to 35 years in our world that was crazy back then that is normal now. And it's completely unrighteous things that are being released on our world here today and being released on our children. And what am I saying? Christians better wake up. If you're a believer, you are a Christian, you better wake up. Because we're living in a world that the worldview is completely different than our Christian worldview. Let me dive into it a little bit more. I'm getting, we're going to get real today. We're going to get up in the grill, okay? This is informative. I'll preach on the back end, but we're going to be informative on the front end, okay? So if you want to write notes right here, number one, write this down. Number one, number one, a Christian worldview gives us a clear view of the world's view. A Christian worldview gives us a clear view of the world's view. What does that mean? As we have a clear Christian perspective on what righteousness is and how we should live our lives, it gives us a very clear view on what the world values, what the world thinks, what the world believes, okay? So this is non-Christians, what the world, what the non-Christians believe once they start introducing ideas and concepts and all this stuff out. If we know, we have a clear Christian worldview, where have we come from, right? 
what is the problem with the world and what is the solution? Those are the three questions you're asking yourself as Brian talked about last week. A worldview is, where do we come from? What is the problem with the world? And what is the solution? A Christian worldview answers those things very clearly. Very clearly, right? The Bible's very clear on where we came from. We'll jump into that in just a minute. Now, a worldview, when you have a clear picture of it, many people can have multiple different thoughts around, like Brian gave the example last week, and I'll just use it. If we put an apple on this table, everybody could look at it and they have a different perspective, right? You're going to look at and view that differently. Some of you guys are creative and you're like, I'm going to write a song about it. It's going to be so awesome, right? I'm going to read a song, the apple, we're going to be jumping, it's going to be great, right? This is the beauty of humanity. We look at it differently and we operate differently based on our gifts. It's the beauty of humanity, how God has created us. But we all look at it differently. We think about it differently. The botanist looks at it differently. You know, a child looks at it differently. My child would probably grab it, snatch it up, and eat that thing very quickly, okay? Especially Bryn. She really likes to eat. She's awesome. <laughs> but we all look at these things very different. Now, a worldview puts us in the same framework to say, okay, this is how we're going to look at the world. And if we don't put a framework around the view, then we'll, everybody would just think differently. But a, a worldview says, okay, I'm going to look at it very specifically according to a certain set of ideas and principles, a clear picture around it. So when we have a clear picture, we can start looking at the world with a clear view. Now, as I said, years ago, different ideas, contrary to a biblical perspective, has been introduced into our society. Okay? So here is a secular humanistic worldview. This is an idea that is non-religious, so therefore it's allowed to be taught inside of our education systems. And it has been taught for the last 30 to 35 years in our educational systems. These ideas, these principles, this view of the world is now indoctrinating our children. It's not biblical. It's completely secular and humanistic. So let me give you a few, under, you know, a few ideas around this. So around secular humanism, a compromise, it's a comprehensive non-religious life stance. So just going straight off of the Secular Humanistic website, okay? You can go and look this up. Secular humanism is, a comprehensive, uh, is comprehensive, touching every aspect of life, including issues of value, meaning, and identity. Straight off the bat, what are they saying? We have ideas around values, how people, you know, what people should value, what values we should operate inside of life. Meaning, what is the meaning of life? And the third thing they say in their identity, around individual identity. Right off the bat, they're saying, we got ideas about the life, you know, a person's existence that are contrary to a, a religious person's views. So how they get around this to indoctrinate children is, we're not a religion, we just have ideas. So we're going to look at the world and we're going to go through science and a natural set of principles, this naturalism. Uh, we're going to look at these things and then we're going to teach your children. So if I say this, uh, what, uh, what ideas are taught in our schools today about creation? Where do we come from? You would say evolution, yeah? The whole premise around evolutions was pulled from an animal's uh, skull, uh, skull that was uh, found, and this individual manipulated the information to say it was a human skull that had animalistic look to it. The whole premise of it was a lie to go against the religious people at that time. I think it was mid-17th century. 
They even, you know, is it even discovered? But by then they already ran with the idea that was completely not true. So evolution, this idea around evolution, then came into existence. Now, this, this is taught in our schools today. The Big Bang Theory. Just explosion happened. Set of circumstances, you know what? So this is their, this is their view around that. Uh, the cosmic outlook. Look, this is what they say. Secular humanism provides a cosmic outlook, a worldview in the broad, broadest sense, grounding our lives in the context of our universe and relying on methods demonstrated by science. It's straight science. Secular, secular humanists see themselves as undesigned. Uh, they're undesigned, unintended. There's no intention behind the life that they're here. They're just here. Beings who arose through evolution, possessing unique attributes of self-awareness and moral agency. What does it say? We just popped out of nowhere. We just popped out of nowhere. It's just our ideas, whatever. We just came from, it's just a set of evolution, okay? Now, why is this a problem? It's a problem because children are in a formative stage to come to an understanding of where they have come from, what is their purpose, and now what does it do? What are we doing with that? Christians in this generation got to wise up and start saying, hey, if we're going to teach evolution, hey, I'm not talking about not teaching evolution. What I am talking about, let's start talking about creationism. How about in our education system, let's start talking about creationism, that there is a design, there's intelligent design behind life, that there is a creator that put this all into uh, existence, and then he breathed life into us and created a purpose on the inside of us, right? Let's just have a contrary idea. Let's not say, let's not, let's not just do away with it. Let's just go ahead and put the two ideas in front of each other for children to think about, children to hear. Formative minds are trying to come to an understanding. They don't teach it as a theory. They teach it as a truth. They're teaching as a truth. This is the way it happened. Now, you take a kid that's trying to understand the world, and this is the problem with our society today. We have way too busy lives to really pay attention to our children that are being indoctrinated with different ideas that are contrary to our belief system. That's why it's paramount that our children are inside a kid's church. We got to have our kids at church every single weekend to get a new idea, to get the right idea, the truthful ideas that are in alignment with our values, in alignment with our worldview. If, we are, if we're not staying on top of this, the world will run with our children, destroy our children, undermine their relationship with God, completely bring doubt to their belief system so that when they grow older, what? The Bible says, train a child in the ways that it should go from here, so when they're older, they will not depart from this. So the same thing the enemy knows. If I can get your kid when they're young, they'll walk away from it whenever they're old. Why? Because this is a religious value. The other is a non-religious non value, but it is a set of ideas in which they will indoctrinate your children with. So we got to be careful. We gotta, this is what I'm saying. Christians have to rise up in this generation and say, no, nah, that can't happen here. No, we want, we want education to represent all views. And guess what? There is a creationist view that's not being taught inside of our school system, but a philosophy is being taught that is contrary to our values. So yeah, it may be religious, but it is a theory, if you want to take it from that standpoint, that should be toe-to-toe -to -toe with another theory that's out there. Because these individuals have an idea on where the world has come from, why, where we come from, who created us, and what we are called to do. They have an idea. Why can't our ideas be shared too? Why can't they? 
So if this is the problem in the world in which we live in here today. If we don't stand up and fight for what we believe in, the enemy will just run with our children and indoctrinate them with whatever the world wants to offer, secular humanistic ideas. We got to be extremely careful. Rising up. If you are a parent inside of here, you have to educate your children on Christian values. Because I'll tell you what they've done for the last 30 to 35 years. Creationism was taught 50 years ago in our schools. They wiped that completely out of the schools because one person in California was like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this in our school system. We shouldn't be praying in our school systems. It's contrary to my atheistic beliefs. I'm like, all good in the hood. We respect you, but we have some values here and this is what we're going to do. So since we folded 50 years ago, we're living in the chaos today of children in a society that's anti-God. We got to be extremely careful. Stand up for what we believe in. We have to educate our children. We got to be individuals that are engaged in their lives, teaching the principles and the values of God so that we don't allow the world to completely undermine the principles of God and the plan of God for their life. Number two, if you want to write it down, we believe, um, or who we believe created us will determine what we believe we are created for. So it's kind of piggybacking off of here. The first question we want to answer today who created us? And I know this is getting back to some fundamentals, but I, at the end of the day, today when I say those things of evolution and Big Bang Theory, all these things that are out there, these may be muddied into our perspective on who created us. And the Bible is very clear in Genesis on who created us. The Bible is very clear on um, who our daddy is, if you want to put it that way. Who's your daddy, right? Genesis 1 verse 26 says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the uh, the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. First thing God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. You and I are created in the image of God. God was speaking in a uh, plural sense here, three in one, triune God perspective. Let us create humans in our image. He was from the very beginning. The cool thing about this is we are created in the image of God that is distinguishable between an animal. We have thoughts, ideas, concepts. We have uh, a conscience. We know we have a moral Uh, truth that we live according to. We know what right and wrong is. These are things that animals do not have. We are distinguished amongst animals. Uh, We are created in the likeness of God. And the cool thing is too, we are not created in the image of angels. We are created in the image of God in his likeness. There's the beauty and the uniqueness of what we have. In Genesis 2, 7 through 8, it says this, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. This is unique to us. God breathed the breath of life into us, out of God's breath. The word that's used inside of the Hebrew is literally a word for breath, like how breath would sound. Uh, Breathe breath into us. The Bible's very clear on this, and he breathed life into us. It says, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man to be, uh, the man he made, he had made, the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good 
uh, an evil. He is the one that breathed life into all of us. If we look biblically, it is extremely clear we come from an intelligent design of the creator of the universe, Yahweh, the God of all creation. He looked at life. He looked at the world in which he created. He said, you know what? I want to create man in my image. I want him to rule and reign over all of creation. He brought all the animals to Adam and said, hey, how do you want to name these things? He allowed us as man to name the animals that we would reign over them. Uh, We would subdue the earth. We would lord over this earth. We are the caretakers of this earth, and in doing this in relationship with God. We come from intelligent design. And if we know where we come from, then we know what we're created for. We have a clear understanding. There is a purpose here on this earth. Now, how many of you guys in here, like, La Familia is all of it for you, right? Anybody in here, like, it's all about the family. Now, uh, if I said in here, the, the statements that could be made is, you act like your mom, you act like your dad. Anybody here ever get that? Now, that may be a good thing if your spouse is saying it towards you, like, you act just like your daddy. That may be a bad thing, right? Or they could be saying, you're so sweet like your mama, whatever it is, right? It could be bad or it could be good, depending on the dynamics of the family, right? Uh, but we are, we're made in the likeness, right? We come in the likeness of our parents, right? We have that attribute about us. And, and usually within the family dynamics where it's close-knit, it's a good, healthy family dynamic. There's a ton of loyalty that's in it, right? Right? Anybody here got some extremely loyal family members? If anything goes down, they're there for you in an instant. All you got to do is call. And they're like, I'll be there in two minutes, right? Whenever you call them, they pick up the phone like, what do you say? They're just waiting, right? They aren't, nails already coming off, right? I'll be right here, okay, you know. Extremely loyal family, family members, right? close-knit. There's a lot of love in there. There's a lot of care in there. There's so many years of uh, value that's been given that, you know what, if something, you know, things that I even hear to this day, children, working children are doing things for their parents today, like supporting them on a monthly basis. They hit some hard times, caring for them, you know, paying their light bills or how, I mean, their rent, whatever it may be. Kids that are doing these incredible things. And it all comes from a place of love and care over their parents. There's an immense amount of loyalty. There's an immense amount of love. There's an immense amount of care there. Because what? These are the people that are part of creating me. These are the individuals that God intelligently designed, formed and fashioned me on the inside of this womb. God did this. And because of that, I want to honor them. I want to love them. As the word says, honor your father and mother and you will have a long life. It is in the Bible. It is clear. Man, if we do this, there's going to be blessing inside of our lives. There's favor on us. And this loyalty being lived out in our family dynamics puts us in a place where we want to do for them, right? We want to love them. We want to care for them. And this is, this is powerful. You know, you think about in, in history, you know, the secular humanistic idea is trying to remove, this is one of the things that I'll read the last part here, and this is a pretty interesting concept and a very, very abrasive, I think, thing to say towards breaking down uh, the family dynamics, breaking down religious dynamics, and breaking down the individual's dependence on a higher power. This is their ethical system. This is what it says. Secular humanists hold that ethics is consequential to be judged by results. This is in contrast to the so-called command ethics 
in which rich, uh, in which right and wrong are defined and advanced and attributed to divine authority. They reject the idea of God will save you, that God's in the mix. They say, no God will save us, declared the humanistic manifesto that was written in 1993. It says, we must save ourselves. Secular humanists seek to develop and improve their ethical principles by examining the results they yield in the lives of real men and women. They completely reject God. They reject the idea that he will save us. They're trying to remove the idea of living a life in dependence, in honor, in love towards the creator, completely to undermine the dynamic of our society. It is completely contrary to our belief system. So with that, if there's a loyalty, if we know who created us, then man, we know that he has a purpose for us. I'll say it this way, and I'll give you five D's. I wanted to put D's all together. Number three, if you want to write it down, divine direction drives daily discipline. Divine direction drives daily discipline. If we know who created us, then we know there is a purpose that he has on the inside of our lives. If it wasn't just a random set of circumstances, it was an intelligent design formed to fashion our mother's womb for something specific, then we know he has a plan for how we should operate our lives. There's a purpose inside of our lives. I've been reading a book, The Power of Moments. If you haven't read the book, it's a great book just to take yourself back to a moment to create moments, especially when you're a parent and you got kids, create moments. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, but it's the experience with you that the kids will remember. It's not about the money, it's about the experience. But one of the things they say inside of here is, Purpose trumps passion every single day. Our world is lived in, go find your passion and make a career out of it. But the statistics show when somebody lives with purpose, they work harder, they are more committed towards their job, they're more engaged in the projects, they give more time because they know it's a purpose. We have a purpose. And as believers here today, we know we have a purpose, right? We know God has created us. We don't have a secular worldview that we were just created out of nothing. We were created with intelligent design, with a purpose inside of our life to be a blessing. You and I, as Romans 11 talks about, we are grafted into the body of, uh, of Christ. We are grafted into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, right? The, the Jewish people rejected. Abraham was called out of his father and mother's house to leave and do what God has called him to do, be a chosen people that God through his covenant with Abraham said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and you are going to create a people that the whole world and the earth will be blessed through. And when they rejected Christ, which was the promised one to come, you know, Paul would talk about the man, he broke off that branch. Those people that rejected, those that wanted to walk in darkness, and he brought us in as Gentiles. We're not Jewish people, but we were brought in through Jesus Christ into the family of God. And with that, we get to inherit the same blessing that was promised to Abraham. As it talks about in Galatians 3, 8 and 9, it says, once more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So we are grafted into the body of Christ. We're grafted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. We receive the same blessing as Abraham would receive. And with that now, the blessing that we receive is through our faith in Jesus Christ. 
Paul was trying to make a distinguish for the, the church in Galatia. You are trying to do good works and you think that your miraculous, the miraculous things happening and the Holy Spirit showing up is through your good works. Do not forget it is through your faith in Jesus Christ. God looked forward to this moment in time when you and I would hear the message of Jesus Christ, believe in the creator of the universe, having a plan for our lives and a purpose for us through Jesus Christ and saying, man, it's through this faith that God had a plan and design to remove us from sin that now we get the Holy Spirit to empower us on a daily basis in order to get us into a divine direction to accomplish his purpose right here on this earth. It's God's plan and it is his design. He looked forward to this moment. This moment, right? It's, you, you look at uh, uh, Hebrews 11, it talks about the fathers of the faith. All they existed with is faith. They had to do and they had to perform and they had to sacrifice and do all these things in order to get in right standing with God. But the beauty of a you know, Christian today is Jesus was the perfect lamb. He removed the sin and through faith in Jesus Christ now, we get the blessing of God in our lives. Right? It's through faith in Jesus Christ and we get relationship. The fathers of our faith didn't have what we get. And then when we recognize that and we realize the power behind that, we can rise up in this generation. There's a holy righteousness that is on the inside of my life as a pastor right now to say, let's stop playing games. This is not about a pretty, cute church service. What this is about is the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of his word being spoken, the information being, you know, transforming hearts, bringing awareness that courage would rise up on the inside of us to say, not in our generation. Are we going to allow the enemy to undermine our faith? Not in our generation. Are we going to allow the enemy to undermine our children's purpose, the God's purpose for their lives, right? Not in our generation. No, 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 no. God waited for this moment in time and he created us for this moment in time. You know, you think about America. Let's just get real. America, the ideals in which we live in in America, the biggest thing that's being portrayed today in our country to our children is, we are going to put your life in the hands of a human? No, I don't think so. The last time that happened, that was in Germany. That was in Germany where, when we said, okay, we're going to decide what is right who is pure. We're going to create a pure people. Who did they go after? They went after the Jews. Who are the Jews? God's chosen people. It's a completely evil ideology that wreaked, wreaked havoc on the world. And it wreaked havoc until what? America showed up and said, not in our world. We showed up, our troops shed our blood for the ideals and values of justice upon the earth for all people. But we have a generation today in our education system that's trying to educate our children that we are horrible people. We're a horrible nation. We're a bunch of slave owners. We're a bunch of people that came in and did the, all these things to a certain set of group of people. I'm not even gonna get into those details. I can go to town on all that stuff. But all it is doing is removing, trying to remove our children from believing that American values and ideals are the best upon the face of the earth. That's all it's trying to do. Let's take your kids away from believing, you know, America, the values, the Judeo-Christian values in which we operate in of love for all people, care for all people. Yes, we have dark spots in our history and we can improve, but we don't want to tear the whole thing down and create a new system based upon a humanistic idea, a secular humanistic idea. This will be 
torture. I mean, or this will be torture, I'll say it that way. This will be liberating, right? God came to liberate us, set us free from bondage, right? These ideals that were all created in the image of God, each with individual rights, man, it's straight out of the word. Straight out of the word. And we want to live this thing out, right? Divine direction drives daily discipline. Once we know where we come from, now we can set the course on what we do daily. And what we do daily, we should be standing up for our faith. We should be educating our children. We should be in the words. We should get better every single day. We should be trained up purpose in every single step. We're not just shadow backsing. We are running this race to win this race for us and for a future generation. So what am I saying? You and I, I said it to our, our team this morning. We're each one of us were uniquely designed, formed in fashion with very specific characteristics with very specific talents. Each one of you have been pursued by the God of all creation. Each one of you has your moment where God touched your life. And each one of you has a purpose to do something here on this earth. You are not just here to live and exist, buy the nicest car and the, build the biggest house, get the most money. We already know what Jesus says about storing up money and treasure here on this earth. He says, store it up in heaven. Store it up by, with your impact here on this earth. Store up the treasures of seeking the kingdom and God's righteousness and living here on this earth with purpose. And man, God will add unto you. But living with this perspective to say, God created me and I want to see the world. We are a holy people set apart by God to live righteously, to be a blessing to the rest of the world. It's through me plan A, I have a responsibility today to do something on behalf of God, right? There's an immense amount of loyalty to my natural family, and there's an immense amount of loyalty to my spiritual father, right? He's done so much for me. It is our reasonable sacrifice. So man, who created you? Can you answer that? And can your kids answer that? If you, if you can answer that clearly, I got a creator. Man, it'll set the course of your life. What I love is this, in Acts, the believers in Acts were known to be individuals that were around Jesus. The statement that you may hear is, man, you're like your mom, like your dad. That's a good thing, why? Because you've been around them. And when you've been around them, you've taken on characteristics of them. So what we know in this atmosphere right now, let's all stand to our feet and I just wanna take a moment to sit in an atmosphere where maybe in this presence that God is here, in the presence of our heavenly father, our creator, come on, his characteristics, man, would transform us. Man, being in his presence, we would be, we'd become more like him. Being, being in his presence, we would be more righteous. Come on, being in his presence, we'd become more loving. Come on, being in his presence. Man, all things, we can be healed in Jesus' name. It's in his presence that so many things can happen. You know, I pray that we are a people. And what I'm saying today is we got to live something. I mean, we have to live something in this generation. Uniquely created for such a time as this. We got to live something. If we don't live something, it's going to be to the detriment of our children, the next generation. What we have allowed in moderation is going to be excess unless what we do live in, in excess today will be something that our children experience in excess. What we live in excess of God's presence will be an overwhelming excess of God's presence on our children. Well, what we pursue God in excess will be the pursuit of our children going after God. Come on, this is what we get to live. So in his presence, we can be made whole. We can be healed in his presence. Man, we can become like him. What we've been trying to do maybe for a long period of time, 
six months. We know through the story of the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years trying to do things in and of herself, going the wrong direction. But one touch from Jesus changed everything. What I pray in this moment right here as a body of people, a group of people, that in his presence, what he wants to do inside of our lives is we step into willing submission. What he wants to do in our lives today and what's needed for us to be for tomorrow would happen right here in this moment. So can we just spend a time in his presence as they sing out, they're gonna sing a song. We're just gonna step all in, but can you just go all in in appreciation for who God is and all he wants to do here today. Come on, let's sing it out. It was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message. I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith. Man, you are confident here today in in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer, whatever sphere of influence that you are in. I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.